Hello, everyone. Boy, I'm sure glad to be back with you now. It's been a little bit of time. We have been very busy, Anna and I. We have been on a new expedition, if you will, in our lives, and we've been beginning a new church. So uh, that was kind of, uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind, but boy, I'm glad to be back here with you. Be praying for us. It's been great. We've been seeing souls saved and lives touched and lots of great things happening for God. But I want to go ahead and check on here and, and visit with you a little bit. I kind of, I've been kind of talking about the last several episodes about different things, but I kind of want to talk about more of a counseling approach or a more personal approach um, on this episode, kind of where I began these. But one of the things I wanted to talk about, I was reading on uh, in, in a book that I had when I went through school, and it was called Transformation, written by Dr. Reiner. And one of the things that I came across was a reminder, and it kind of you see this idea kind of creep back up now that you hear people talking about, but it was kind of a reminder about how there's a narrative approach to helping people. And the narrative approach really, basically, you've probably heard a lot of people as we talk about, uh, as they talk about freedom from self. Of course, you, you're, you're hearing a lot about uh, thinking and how we think and, and, and reframing our thoughts. And of course, that's biblical, you know, that we're to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. And we know that we do that. But a lot of times, even in the secular world, they stumbled into this idea. And uh, remember this, as we talk about, uh, you know, I want to talk about, you know, freeing yourself from your narrative or freeing yourself from your story. Uh, Many times, as most of us were raised up, we didn't have a gravy train and biscuit wheels life. We had a life that was a struggle, you know, and I've learned even in all families, no matter how they look on the stage or how they look, uh, you know, to the public, I've learned that most families, they've all got one common theme and they're messed up. And uh, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not a question whether people are dysfunctional. The question is how dysfunctional are the people? And people tend to sometimes, uh, some people, you know, their story, you know, their family story because they're very open and others are more private. But we have one thing in common. We all have a story and we all have hurt uh, in the story. But one of the things that Jesus did is he told parables and, you know, he told about 30 parables in the Bible. And one of the things he did when he told parables, these parables were not lies. They weren't just allegories, but they were intentional stories that he told. They were parables. And I think it's important that we learn as we talk about freeing ourselves. What, what, what is the goal in Christ, the Christian life? One of the goals is, is that first of all, we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but then we're set free from ourselves that we can live in the freedom that Christ died for us to live. So that is the goal. That's the pin that we drive out in front of us, that we press toward the mark of the high calling in freedom in Christ. So as we're free, it's important to understand the way that we, you know, we talk to ourselves. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't necessarily talk out loud to myself, but constantly throughout the day, we're thinking of ourselves and thinking about our lives. And, and it's important the story that you tell yourself about yourself. And uh, because a lot of us were raised, uh, I remember whenever I was a young man, uh, we I, I ended up going to a treatment class, and and I was in a forty five day inpatient treatment at sixteen years old, 
And uh, I, I definitely need to be there. I remember some of the older people that we would go to these meetings and they would laugh and say, oh, you guys haven't learned to live life. Well, my life had spun out of control. I'd been arrested multiple times. I'd been in jail multiple times. And uh, that old boy, he meant well, but he looked down and, you know, basically said, you, you go live life, quit worrying about it. You're going to learn. Your friends are going to die, blah, blah, blah. But I was well into addiction. I remember one of the stories they told me, they said, you know, basically the typical family model, if you've been to any type of family therapy or therapist, especially in the secular world, you're here. You know, they told me, well, you're the black sheep. I was the youngest and you fit the mold. And so I kind of understood it, and, and it really he was, it was convincing. Uh, when I went to this treatment program, one of the people had said that, I think, I don't really know that it was a counselor, maybe just someone that worked there, but they basically said, uh, you know, you're the black sheep and everything's your fault. And, and there's another thing they told me whenever I was in that program is they told me, they said, this is hereditary. And you learned this from your mom, uh, you know, the medical type uh, and also the situational type, which some of that's true. You're around your environments and and but but what they what they kind of lack some things in, in telling me my story. It was kind of like a light bulb went on. Hey, you know, this is somebody else has caused this. And that that helped me play into my addiction. It helped me play into the lie that I didn't have control. But the Bible says that we have free will and uh, and God gives us a free will to choose. But also the medical model says that you may have a certain gene or a certain brain type or personality type and and you just have an addictive personality now there is some truth to that that some people are more addictive than others depending on the way that they see life depends on the story they've told themselves depend on their medical makeup of their brain but that's not necessarily all the truth that just because you're the black sheep you need to be you know fall into sin or fall into this lifestyle and not necessarily just because, you know, on, on one part of my family, mine was a little more complex. I was raised by my grandparents and my mom. In my life, I was, I was, uh, uh, I, I was both. I seem to be able to get a little bit from different people. And as we know, sometimes many of us have seen a grandmother, you know, we're their favorite grandchild. And then in other parts of the family, you know, I was the problem child. But but I, I was, I was into a lot of trouble, but necessarily it wasn't because the, they were basically labeling me with the story. And so therefore, I kind of just fell into that. The Bible says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to be very careful what we tell ourselves, and we got to be very careful what we allow the people to tell us. But the truth is, I needed freedom through Christ, and I didn't know a Savior named Jesus, and I needed to be changed by the power of God through salvation. But also, there are stories that we continue to tell ourselves based upon what the people said that we just need to we need to confront. And one of the things is, is that I'm not good enough. I'm not ever going to be able to make it. Uh, I've also been in the church world where I've been told things that I wasn't going to be able to do certain things. I've been told that I wasn't going to be able to have a ministry. I've been told that I wasn't going to be able to do accomplish certain things because of some of my past when that the devil is a liar. And uh, I had to kind of come against that and, and decide down in my spirit early on, you know, what has God called me to do? And I believed with all my heart that God had called me to the ministry to to preach. And, and though there's greater preachers and there's greater ministries, God's given me a ministry that he's been able to bless me with and, and the people that he's been able to allow me to care for. But really, in, in rewriting this story, uh, Jesus told parables and we need to be very careful because the, the devil is constantly sowing seeds of doubt. He's constantly sowing seeds of fear. He's constantly putting people in our lives, not that they are controlled by the devil, but they are used by the devil. He's constantly sowing things into our life that we can receive or we can reject. 
And, and this story that we tell ourselves is important. I believe that we can see revelation. See, really, when we want to see true change, one of the keys is this, is that we have revelation in our spirit. See, a lot of us have been in church long enough now. I've been in church 16, close to 17 years now. And we have enough information in our, in our, in our mind. We have enough information that we've been told. We've heard enough sermons. But the truth is, we don't walk out in our life the things that God wants us to do. In other words, we know that God sets us free, but then we still hold ourselves in bondage to whether it be relational problems, uh, uh, anger problems, uh, whether it be depressive issues. And some of these issues are, are medical and some of these issues are serious, but a lot of times we were held in bondage because really we're not set free. We say we believe one thing and we quote a scripture, but then we live our lives contrary. And a lot of times what we can do is we can ask ourselves a question. I, I remember uh, one of the things that, that you know, I, I, I've, I've talked about with people and that I've read in books is that a lot of times you have to ask yourself, you know, why, why am I doing this thing or why am I reacting this way? Uh, for instance, a person that has an eating disorder, it's a definite disorder and, and, you know, eating disorders are major and, and, and children that cut themselves, it's become an epidemic. But you have to ask yourself, what, what is this, you know, why am I allowing this behavior to do this to me? What am, what am I, why am I getting myself into this? Instead of I'm doing this, I'm a dummy, I'm not smart, just like addiction. One of the worst things you can do if you're in addiction is, is, is follow. And, and by the way, Christians can be addicted. Look at the life of Samson. He is what he is a picture of addiction. He had a sexual addiction. And so uh, many times when, when we're depressed or when we have these, these, these hurts, maybe even anger, the, the things we tell ourselves are important. Because remember, the Bible says, once again, so a man, woman, thanks in their heart, so are they. And so they fall into an addiction, and then they tell themselves messages like, I'm an idiot, or I'm no good, or I can't change this, or it's because of my family, or it's because I'm a black sheep. See, those are stories you're telling yourself to back up the very thing that you're trying to fight with the faith that you have. And so therefore... I tell myself things like this, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've fallen. I, I, don't, I just told a man this last week, a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. Just because I fall into a behavior or a sin or I make a mistake doesn't mean that I'm not righteous. God declared me righteous. And I use the word of God that, who, that not just who the Son has set free is free indeed, but that he has overcome and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. The blood allows me to overcome even if I've fallen into a behavior. Now, sometimes you may think this flies in the face of something that I've heard. This flies in the face of what the preacher's preaching, but no, it doesn't. It does not fly in the face because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's another key scripture that I use. We've all sinned. And you would think, you know, back whenever I was in the world, I used to say, well, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. You know, they just people, religious people just look down their nose at me. Well, I was right on one part. I would never be good enough. But the other part, the, the religious people, well, people that have a true and undefiled religion, they understand that they're sinners and they fall too. And even when someone falls, the Bible says that if our brother or sister fall, we're to restore them in like manner, lest we ourselves fall. And, and the reason for that is, is that we, it's level at the foot of the cross. And I tell myself those stories, those, those illustrations, if you will, and I use scripture to back them up. But, you know, we all have a story that is yet written. And that's what I have hope. I have, you know, one of my key scriptures again is his mercies are new every day. 
I get to rewrite my story today. I'm not in bondage to what happened yesterday. And though, praise God, I didn't fall into addiction. And though, praise God, I didn't fall into some of the behaviors I had after I first got saved. It still took me a few years to overcome many of those behaviors. Now, I didn't put a bottle on my lips uh, many times after I was saved, or nor did I introduce a drug into my body, but I still had behaviors. Uh, some people call them in, in the secular world, they call them maybe a dry drunk or a dry addict. I had a very difficult time dealing with life. And just being a a kind, producive person, I know that's shocking to some of you, but uh, maybe some of you are more spiritual than me. But but whenever I came out of that lifestyle, I had to tell myself these stories that God, if God be for me, who can be against me? And I would quote the scripture, but I would also know that somehow, somehow I would tell myself that things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. And but but at the same time, I would hear scriptures. And I would hear people preach, and I would think, man, I'm not measuring up to that. And the devil would constantly try to sell me, see, you're not measuring up. See, you're not good enough. But see, I knew that I was able to still rewrite my story. And I would think about the failures in the life of David, and I would think about some of those illustrations of how his family was a wreck. And you know, if you can do it in David's life, you can do it in mine. And I had well-intending, very uh, uh, scriptural, very biblical people that tried to help me, but they you know, they would say things like, you know, put that in your past, sweep it under the rug, you know, basically don't talk about it anymore. Well, there was a time I needed to talk about it. And there was a time that I sat down with the counselor. I talked to a man the other day and he called in and, and, uh, he called me and said he was struggling with thus and thus. And it spoke with, uh, uh, a professional about some things. And he said he was very concerned about what the professional had said and, and said, you know, he was concerned because it was like he made it sound worse than it was because he got to be able to, to, to talk to the individual and he kind of heard the report, if you will. And I said, you know, but what's the problem with that? You know, what's the problem? Because they said, you're struggling with this, you're struggling with this, and you may need this certain treatment. And he said, well, I don't know. It just sounds bad. Well, see, that was because of the story that he was telling himself. He was telling himself he was allowing the idea that I'm going to allow, uh, you know, because if I need this treatment, then there's something wrong with me. If I need this, then that means I'm bad. See, it was the story he was telling himself. And matter of fact, this guy was enraged. He was angry. And I understand that it's seeing some things, but you know, sometimes God uses things like that, that we can just see the story for what it is. And, you know, maybe maybe it might be the fact that this addiction is eating someone up today that that, it, that they, they are telling themselves, I'm no good, I'm no good, and they're falling back to the addiction. Maybe we need to step back from that and look at our story and see what's leading us down that aisle. What's leading us to the place that makes us want to get the drink, makes us want to get the drug. Lay in all the guilt and all the shame, because what this shame and guilt will do is it'll lead you right back to the behavior. For instance, if someone's dealing with an eating disorder, uh, maybe a woman is dealing with an eating disorder that they're having, you know, they can't control anything. Maybe that something happened to them when they were younger. They can't control anything, but so they're going to cut, try to control what comes in and out of their body, but they really don't know. But all they know is that whenever they do that, it gives them a sense of power. It gives them a sense of control, but yet then they feel bad because they don't eat or maybe they make themselves uh, vomit the food up. There's, there's, there's reasons, but they need to step outside of that. 
you know, the worst thing we can do as Christians is say, you know, why are you doing this? And I know some well-meaning people, you know, hey, I'll pray for you. But sometimes we need to help people write their story again. We need to help people know that every test is a testimony. We need to let people know that we're all messed up. You know, one of the greatest things I've done and, you know, as being a pastor, one of the first things we want to do is just back off and say, you know, not be personal with people. Well, my ministry is different than that. I've always found that when I share my struggle, it attracts people to be able to know that I'm real and they see the genuineness that God has inside of me. And when I've told my failures, uh, many times, uh, me and my old pastor, we'd sit around and tell jokes about our failures. I mean, we would talk about them, you know, some of our failures and we'd tell some stories, but then those things are very freeing. Because, see, God still has a story for us. And then we can take people through the Bible. Maybe we're trying to help someone. Maybe we're trying to disciple someone. We can take them through the Scripture and not necessarily use the same Scripture over and over. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe tell a story. Maybe we can tell a narrative about David's life. Maybe we can tell a narrative about Saul's life. Maybe we can tell a narrative even about our life. And see, we tell people our testimony, but can we go into someone's life and help them find a narrative other than what they're believing? And then, like I said, we bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. And see, constantly, all day, we're telling ourselves a story about our life. I believe today that today is a new day for every person. I told a young man last week, I said, today's a new day. His mercies are new today. And, and, and I say those things not as just catchphrases, but I say those things because they've been a life verse for me. They've been a daily life thing that I have to consume and believe myself because I believe the scripture and I believe that my story is yet to be told. I believe that my story of my family, when I talk about my children that are not right with God, I still believe. I told my son the other day, I still believe at the end of life in a week or in a month or today, they are going to get right with God. They are going to. I believe the story is not yet told yet. And that gives me hope and that gives me faith. But many times we tell ourselves a story of one thing, and then we go into church and we hear the Bible, we hear the, we hear the preacher, we hear the teacher, we hear the Sunday school teacher, we hear the counselor, and you know we know what they're saying, and we hear the scripture. We've been told it over and over again, but there's no revelation. See, but that's why you need to rewrite your story. That's why you need to be able to get into the word of God. You need to get into the parables of scripture and you need to ask yourself, I mean, there are so many things. I think about the great parable of the sower. And he said, unless you understand this parable, you don't understand any other parable. There is no other parable that you could understand because the parable of the sower. And what is the parable of the sower? He says that some went by the wayside and the wayside was a place that the seed was trampled down under their feet because they would walk on the outside of the field and they would throw it, but they would trample it to be on hard ground. And then there was that seed that was cast and it was on stony ground and it sprang up for a short time and then withered away. Then there was that seed that, that was there and then the devil came in and stole away. Then there was the seed that landed on good ground. See, many times uh, when we're looking for revelation, where we're looking for change through the word of God, we have to keep throwing seed. You know, I've heard, I've heard the term fake it till you make it, you know, and, and, that, and I've heard people get upset about that. Well, I think people that say that mean it well. Because there are some times that I go into a church service and I don't feel like worshiping God. When I go into a church service and I don't feel the message, even when I'm preaching it, and even when it's my favorite preacher, sometimes I don't feel it. But I keep casting seed and I keep putting myself in the position, a place of receiving under the word of God, under the anointing of God. And I keep allowing and I keep trying to rewrite my story, if you will. 
And I believe it's a way that God allows, and finally that seed will land on good ground. And I mean, revelation will happen. You see, I know it's struggle. Whenever I, you know, when I, I keep having to roll back when I first got saved, it was like I was almost pounding my head against the wall. I'm like, I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. But what I really needed to do was do exactly what I was doing, get more seed. I would listen to sermons on the radio, listen to worship music. I would worship. I would pray. But it seemed like the change, you know, was never fast enough when it's happened inside of us. But what happened was eventually some seed fell on good ground. And some more seed fell on good ground. And then relationally, I got more connected with people that helped me and supported me. Then I found a godly counselor to be able to help me. And I told someone the other day, I have a counselor. I haven't been to him in about a year and a half, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's time that we break down that stigma of counseling and mental health and what it is. God anoints people to speak specifically into your life about certain areas. And I mean, God has used them in a great way in my life. And one thing that that counselor, uh, that he did is he allow, I allowed him to rewrite my story. And one of the greatest things that ever happened was when I sat in front of him. And you know what he said to me? He said one of the most freeing things he ever said was he said, you're nothing. You're kind of a big buffalo. And I thought, and I laughed. And uh, me and my wife were talking to him and I laughed. And I thought, but see what he did is he loved, he, I allowed him to love me where I was in my failures that I had. And now 14 years later, man, you know, it, it, it's a blessing that one of those things, you know, because I thought if he really knew me and knew my struggle, I mean, we laid it all out for him. We told him the truth. You know, tell people the truth about yourself. Give, find somebody that you can trust, that you can share. And I'll promise you this, if their heart's right and if, if they're where they need to be, then they will unconditionally love you. And it was one of the most freeing things that ever happened to me. But when I talk about these things and rewriting your story, I just want you to think about what are the things you've been telling yourself? What are the things that's been hurting you, that's been impairing you from walking and being in the freedom that Christ died for you to live? He, Christ died for you to live in freedom of love and peace and joy and happiness, patience, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit. What's keeping you from the fruits of the Spirit? Maybe you need to get with someone and speak with someone and Maybe, maybe you have someone in your life that's been dealing with that, that you've been telling them you're going to pray for, that you need to take out to lunch and you need to tell them, let's rewrite your story. Let, let me help you to be able to re-narrate to you what could happen in your life if you started serving God. And if you really would, just lay down this drug, lay down this drink. Let me help you to be able to do that. And you can coach and speak into their life. Many people never help people because they don't feel qualified, but many people, if they would begin to help people, God would begin to equip them. God doesn't call the qualified, but he equips the called. That's what God wants to do to us today. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you, and uh, I really want to encourage you to share this. Uh, Also, message me if you have any other topics you'd like to be discussed, and until next time, friends, God bless. God bless.